0: It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at Northstarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Wednesday, September 9th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Watterson versus Hill, which of course will take place on Saturday, September 12th at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, good to be back with you guys here. Uh, obviously, we did a very large show yesterday with the WRFW legend uh, Reagan the Hound Dog Hooverman, which you should uh, check out at NorthStarsports.media or, you know, wherever you get podcasts. I know that sounds pretentious when other people say it, wherever you get your podcasts. But, I mean, seriously, we're on every single podcast platform I could possibly think of. I mean, Spotify, iHeart uh, Radio, or Media, um, PodMN, I mean, Stitch or TuneIn. We're, we're everywhere. You know what I mean? We're everywhere. I found my podcast on podcast platforms I didn't even put it on. It must have just took it from my uh, taking it from my RSS feed. So you know we're we're pretty much you know live and in the air worldwide. You know what I mean? We're we're just wherever you have internet, you can listen to us, and you should listen to that uh, podcast. It was a really good one. It was uh, about three hours, and we uh, gave record predictions for each team in the NFL. We went through our playoff predictions, um, rookie of the year predictions, MVP predictions, just a lot of predictions a lot of predictions and a lot of previewing, and uh, it was very fun. I'm in the process of um, chopping up the shows into segments based on division and then posting those individually, just so, you know, if you're only a fan of the AFC West, then, you know, you don't have to tune into the whole thing to uh, hear our our hot sports takes on the AFC West. You can just listen to the uh, episode um, in its entirety. Um... But that's neither here nor there. I'd appreciate it if you, if you checked it out. Yesterday was a big day for um, listeners. But uh, today we will be previewing UFC Fight Night Waterson versus Hill. And i got to say, I've done so much prep on uh, the NFL over the last couple of days, I did, I did pretty much zero prep. So all, most of this is just going to be off the dome, uh, which is fine, which is fine. Um, but let me say, I said this last week when we were previewing Uh, Overeem and Sakai. Uh, I was trying not to be negative on that card because I knew I would get very negative on this one because this card is bad. It is really, really fucking bad. Um, Now, again, the disclaimer I always say when I say cards are going to be bad or they look bad on paper is just because they're unknown fighters to you doesn't mean that the the fights they put on are not going to be exciting. I have no doubt some of these no-names on this card will put on good performances. And then, hopefully, uh, they will be names because people will know them. You know what I mean? I mean, anyone who ever was a name at, at some point wasn't a name. You know, they, they have to go through that transition period. Um, so, that's my, that's my hope. That's my hope with all these shitty cards we've been seeing from the UFC um, over the last couple of months is that, uh, yeah, it's going to be bad. Um, but maybe... I don't want to say the casuals, because I don't think casuals give a fuck about cards like this. But hopefully, you know, people who are moderate fans of the UFC will know who combo Worthy is, you know, after after his co event win uh, that he's going to get. Uh, but what, I don't want to blow my load here too early. Um, but, yeah, it, it's... I don't know. It's, it's really tough to get excited for cards like this. Um, they're really bad. Every single fight on here could be a prelim fight. And... Um, Fuck, I'm not looking forward to, to previewing this. I'll do my best, but uh, it is It is gonna be something else. So uh, as of right now, there's 12 fights on this card um, We know how this works. Uh, so we'll, this probably means we'll have nine fights on the card. I mean just uh, 25% of these fights are just gonna fall out due to you know weight cut problems or, or COVID um, related uh, bullshittery so You know, it's going to be... Which, is honestly, that's probably the best thing to happen to this card is that, you know, all these fights are going to be shitty um, in in some form or or another, whether or not it's people um, not knowing who they are or just a bad performance. So, as little fights as possible is probably the best thing possible for the UFC. So, I'm not really going to complain from a TV-watching standpoint if a bunch of these uh, fights fall out. Obviously, on a personal level, that sucks because, uh, you know, everybody put in work to be here and you know if, I don't want anybody catching the covid so I'm not going to root for it but you know if if these fights fall out for whatever reason uh that's just you know less strain on my eyes um fuck man I guess we'll we'll we'll, we'll do what we normally do we'll go from the prelims all the way up to the the main event if we want to call it that um so let's see here we got the north star sports rankings pulled up although that is not going to help us that is not going to help us on this card because i can fucking assure you there there there's not many ranked fighters on this card i can tell you that much so um yeah that's that's not going to help us a whole ton um we do have odds here uh courtesy of odds shark odd shark no odds shark Ooh, i don't like that that doesn't roll off the tongue i'd go with odd shark interesting Uh, I'll send them an email let them know that their company website is uh, not very not very um, roll off the tonguey but we'll start here on the prelim opener Uh, it's a women's flyweight fight between Sabina Mazzo and Justine Kish Mazzo is eight and one Kish is seven and two Uh, Mazzo is the minus 260 favorite Um, I have honestly literally nothing to, to say about this fight Mazo is a young prospect. She's 23. Um, She lost in her UFC debut to Marina Moroz. I know I've seen her fight, but I've never committed her to memory because she's only had, I think, three UFC fights. And uh, you know, I don't really pay attention to unranked uh, flyweights. Uh, Justine Kish is probably a name that UFC fans would know because she's been around for um, a good amount of time. She's been in the UFC since uh, January of 2016. 3-2. Uh, and two. She's coming off of a uh, January win over Lucia Pudilova. Um, I think that was also the fighter who shit her pants in the ring versus uh, Felice Herrig. So that's probably why most people would know who she is. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Odell Beckham can, can give her a call or something. But uh don't really care about this fight, to be honest with you. But I'm going to pick Mazo just because she's a prohibitive favorite and on fights that I really don't know. I'm, I'm mostly just going to side with... Uh, the odds people cuz they they probably know something i don't know. Uh, moving on here uh, on the uh, the second fight here on the prelims it's a welterweight fight here between Brian Barberina and Anthony IV Barberina comes in with a record of 14 and 7 IV with a record of 8 and 3 uh, Barbarina Barberina is the moderate minus 275 favorite here. Um and i would have to agree. I'd have to agree. I'm a big fan of of Brian Barberina. Uh, not exactly the most technical fighter. Uh, not exactly a fighter whose fighting style is conducive to him, you know, being able to walk when he's when he's fifty. Because uh, he is a brawler. He is a banger. Uh, Julian Lane would love him because he he'd let him bang, bro. Um, but he's a, he's a fun fighter. I I honestly I try not to get too hyperbolic, but when I think about like the greatest UFC fights of all time, not when it comes to like stakes, like oh this was the greatest fight because it was a good fight, but it was also a championship fight. You know, if if I had to give my hipster answer for the greatest fight of all time, um, but realistically probably just like a top five fight of all time, Brian Barbarina versus Vincente Luque is a fucking banger. That, that is one of the best fights I've ever seen. Just 14 minutes and 54 seconds. Holy shit. So... That's right. I, I knew I knew it was at the end of the third round. I didn't realize it was six seconds before the fight was going to go to a decision where Luque knocked him out, and Barbarina just fell over. I mean, the amount of CTE that was given in that fight is fucking staggering. That fight needs to be studied by scientists. It, it, it's it's really good. And not a lot of people have, have heard about Barbarina versus Luque. Um, it, it took place uh, in... Uh, uh I want to say February of 2018. 20- oh, it was the uh, it was the first ever ESPN card. Um the one in uh, yeah, that yeah, that was the one um that was headlined by Nganu and um Velasquez. But that's a great fight. I'm sure you could find it on the internet if you've never if you've never seen it. But honestly, that's an all-time performance. Um so I'm going to go with Barbarina cuz he's a tough guy to to put away, um although he has been put away uh a couple of times in his in his Losses, but um, it it took a lot. It took a lot. I mean, he's lost three of his last four, four of his last six. But he, you know, honestly, pretty tough competition over over those four losses. I mean, Colby Covington, Leon Edwards, Vincente Luque, uh, Randy Brown. That's probably not a super great loss, but um, uh, he's a tough guy. And then, you know, really, what I have to work with here for Anthony Ivy is his uh, UFC debut. And that was where he got knocked out in 59 seconds by uh, Christian Aguilera, who got beat a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, by Sean Brady. Um, So I I don't have a whole lot of tape on Anthony Ivey, but I do know know what Barbarina brings to the table. Um, So we're going to go with Brian Barbarina here. Um, We'll go by decision. That's probably the safe bet. We'll go Barbarina by decision. Uh, moving on here, we have a fight here in the lightweight division. Uh, it's a matchup here between Frank, The Crank, Camacho, and Brock Weaver. Camacho is 22-9. and Weaver is 15-5. and uh, Camacho is the minus 230 favorite. Uh, this is a gross fight. This is a really gross fight. Um, it's going to be like a BKFC fight because it's going to be sloppy as shit. These are two really, really sloppy UFC fighters. Um, Camacho, he's been, he's been here for a little bit. You, you know, you got to respect. Where's he from? The the Saipan in the Northern Mariana Islands. Um, so you got to respect the island folks, because um, they they make tough fighters. I'm not. I would never say Camacho is not a tough fighter. I mean, you look at the beating he took, and I again, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it, you know, you got to be tough enough to take these strikes. But his fight with Jeff Neal, holy smokes, and it was a pretty brutal finish, head kick finish at the end. Um, but he he's been in the UFC. He's had some wars, he's had some wars. Um, he is two and five in his last seven. So, uh, he's gonna be. Even if he wins, it really wouldn't shock me if he got cut. Um, but the loser of this fight gets cut. You look at how many, uh, contender series people are have have been getting signed. Loser of this fight gets cut. Uh, it. Man, it's just a rough time to, to lose a fight in the UFC. I know it's it's a weird time because you know it's it's the, the coronavirus and all this type of shit and you know, the fight game's weird uh, in general, but uh, you know, man, when they're signing, I think through five weeks they've signed like 24 fighters or something ridiculous. Like Jesus, like dude, you're if you're not ranked and you have even a slight losing streak, I mean Jesus, you gotta you gotta be really concerned for your career um, in the UFC, because, I mean, there's, there's only, there's only so many fighters that can have under roster, um, and then, and then Brock Weaver, I don't know, he kind of had a little bit of hype, um, apparently his highlight tape was pretty good before he came to the UFC, not, I've not been impressed with Brock Weaver in, in any aspect, in any of his UFC fights, um, He won his UFC debut because of an illegal knee that uh, Rodrigo Vargas threw at his head. Okay, I mean, that's not really Brock Weaver's fault, but not a good performance. Again, not his fault that he got an illegal knee to the head. And then he got uh, just absolutely pieced up by Roosevelt Roberts and choked out in the second round. I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm not really impressed by, like, sloppy fighters who... I don't know, man. Just for, for lack of a better term, aren't good. I mean, if he beats Frank Camacho, that doesn't really tell me a whole lot. Um, given Camacho loses most of his fights in the UFC, um, but if he loses to Camacho, then it's like, okay. I mean, you're, I don't know, man. You're 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 probably getting cut from the UFC. So um, we'll we'll go Camacho by round three TKO on this one gotta take a sip of uh, the old mud here I am gonna get a career in ASMR at at some point Um, just not today Uh, moving on here uh, still in the lightweight division we have a fight here between uh, Alan Patrick and Bobby Green Uh, Bobby Green's the minus 250 favorite this is probably going to be the the best fight on the prelims. I mean, there's another one that might give it a run for its money. Uh, but you got to look at the positives here on, on cards that are utter dogshit. Um, Alan Patrick, he's, he's getting up there in age. He's 37. Um, and he's had uh, quite the string of canceled bouts. Uh, just just in the last five months alone, uh, Chris Jos jagos uh, Frank Camacho, Mark Jacacy, Rodrigo Vargas, uh, you know, this... Uh, He's trying to stay active. God bless. He's trying to stay active. Uh, Don't don't have a whole lot uh, in in the old memory bank on uh, Alan Patrick, Um, but Bobby Green. I've been really impressed with. He's kind of. If he wins here uh, on Saturday, that's a that's a three fight winning streak, and kind of a career resurgence for Bobby Green. I mean, before that win over Clay Guida in June, uh, I think he was one six and one in his last eight fights. Um, and albeit, they were tough fights, but that's not really a good excuse, you know what I mean? Because it's still the UFC. I mean, wins and losses are ultimately what matters. Um, but, you know, he, he, he's 34, so it kind of looked like he was he was getting washed. Um, you know, but then as the nice win over Clay Guida, I'm not going to say that's a you know a world-beating win. And then a, a win over Lando Venata in pretty uh, convincing fashion. So, you know, maybe we could see a little resurgence here. It's, it's going to be a tough division to, to climb. Um, but the good thing about the lightweight division being so deep for Bobby Green is there's no shortage of fun matchups, and uh, I don't know. Seems like a really good guy. I never would have. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry to uh, stereotype here, but I had I had no idea. I knew who Bobby Green was, but I've I've seen him uh, in like interviews before and never really listened to him and just kind of saw a guy with uh, tattoos on his head and uh, like that weird uh, beard pattern where, like, he, he makes it like the tiger stripes, and I was like, ah, that's probably not a, that's probably not a decent fella, um, you know, cause, uh, probably statistically, if you have tattoos on your head, the, you know, I don't know, it's, I don't know, I hate to, hate to stereotype, but, uh, I to him in that interview after his last one over, over Venada ah, really good dude, really good dude, glad I listened to the interview, now I'm, I'm rooting for Bobby Green, uh, seems like a really cool guy, his story's really sad, but also positive, uh, you know, cause he was abandoned, uh, as a kid, but then he found, um, his dad, um, who, who adopted him. So, you know, sad, but ultimately positive. And, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a new, new fan of Bobby Green, but a big fan of, uh, of Bobby Green. He gave an awesome speech, um, after that fight that I think the, the country probably should, uh, probably should hear at this point in time, um. So yeah, we'll go we'll go Bobby Green and we'll go by decision. I don't know if he finishes Alan Patrick because um, he he hasn't really Patrick hasn't really been finished in in the UFC too too frequently. So um, a tough fight, but I, I would definitely favor Bobby Green just like the odds do. Uh, moving on here, the third fight in a row in the lightweight division. Uh, it's about here between Roosevelt Roberts and Matt Frivola. Roberts is ten and two. Frivola is eight one and one. Uh, They're both the favorite, but Roosevelt Roberts is the minus 125 favorite. Frivola is a minus 105 favorite, which, fucking again, don't understand how that works and how you make money, but fair enough. Um, I don't know, man. This is tough because the Roosevelt Roberts hype train got really big, and then he ran into Jim Miller a couple of months ago, and uh, I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. He's he's still super young. He's only twenty six, six foot two at, at lightweights. Rather sizable. Rather sizable. Um I mean he, he put a, he put a master class ass beating on uh on Brock Weaver. But again, it's Brock Weaver, so a guy who probably should be in uh island fights or whatever the fuck Chase Sherman was fighting in, you know, two fights ago. Um I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna favor Roberts here and just kind of hope he bounces back. I mean, he's two and two in his last four fights. You know, two crafty veterans are are the losses. You know, with uh, Piché and and Jim Miller. Um, you know, but I don't know. I mean, there, there's a good following behind. Excuse me, Matt Frivola, and you know he's on a, a two fight uh, winning streak, a three fight unbeaten streak. Had that draw with uh, Venata, and then a win over uh, Jalen Turner, who uh, pulled out of last week's fight. With um, oh man, that's gonna bug me. Who did Jalen Turner? He was supposed to fight somebody last week. Um, it's gonna bug me. Oh Thiago Moises, that's right. Yeah, the guy who beat Michael Johnson, um, and then and then a split decision win over uh, Luis Pena, which is uh, a little controversial to to say the the least. That was a UFC Tampa card. Uh, I think Frivola. He's either from Tampa or he went to college in Tampa. Uh, actually I think he might be a New York guy I think he went to college in Tampa um, so that might have been a little home cooking there for uh, the, the the steam roller uh, but we'll, we'll go Roberts I think talent wins out here he's going to be a handful for anybody um, at, at, at this level of the UFC um, you know given his his striking and I don't know his, his ground game really surprised me versus Brock Weaver so uh, we'll go Roosevelt Roberts by decision all right, moving on here now in the women's bantamweight division, we have a bout here between the eight and one Julia Avila and the five and four Sajara Eubanks. Um, where, where was it? Up. Oh, never buy an HP computer, guys. Never buy. It. I don't care if I lose out on a million dollar HP sponsorship for Northstar Sports. I'm putting this down right now, 107 p.m. September 9th, 2020. I fucking despise HP. They make dog shit computers. If I ever, if I ever peddle to you guys, HP computers, because I get a sponsorship and I just give in to the money, just revert back to this tape and just know that I'm lying. Just know that I'm lying. If I ever say HP computers are good and I'm just doing it for the money. Um, yeah, the, the odd shark are odd shark odds have uh, Avila as the minus three ten favorite. Um, don't have a whole lot to say on this one, guys, gotta be honest, Sajara Eubanks should not be in the UFC, Um, is she ranked, is the Bantamweight division so bad that we have her ranked um, in the North Star rankings, oh, computer just closed out uh, my tab, alright, well, thanks a lot, HP, Um, I don't think we have Sajara Eubanks ranked, but honestly, with the lack of depth in the Bantamweight division, it really wouldn't shock me. Um, okay, thank God we don't. We have Avila ranked. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, Julia Avila is uh, the number fourteen ranked uh, bantamweight. Uh, Eubanks, remember when? Remember when Eubanks almost fought for a title uh, against um, fuck Valentina Shevchenko? They were gonna head. Uh, they were gonna headline. It was one of those New York cards. I want. I want to say. I want to say it was gonna be two thirty one. Cause then I think. No, not not 231, 230. Because then um, Cormier and Lewis, I think, ended up filling the spot. They were, but they were going to headline uh, a Madison Square Garden card with Sajara Eubanks. Which, I mean, Jesus Christ, I wouldn't even headline an Invicta card with Sajara Eubanks. Um, definitely going to favor Julia Avila in this one. Um, her last performance versus uh, Gina Mazzani. Uh, a 22 second knockout, rather fast rather quick for uh, women's bantamweight. They're not known for having uh, a whole ton of power um, at 135 pounds, nor with uh, the body structure of uh, of uh, a female. So, uh, very impressive. Very impressive. And she's ranked... I mean, we'll go with Julia Avila on this one. Of course, by decision as well. I, I don't anticipate another 22-second knockout. Um, and then here on the prelim main event... Uh, This fight really shocks me. They put it as a prelim main event, but kind of speaks to how um, not so great the card is. We have uh, Matt Schnell taking on Tyson Nam uh, in the flyweight division. Nam is the minus 125 favorite. Schnell is also the minus 105 favorite. Really bad fight. Uh, Tyson Nam, this is a guy who uh, could not get a UFC win to save his life. Uh, he finally got one in June of this year. It was against uh, Zaruk Adishev. He was 3-1. He was a 3-1 and one flyweight that they put up against an 18-11-1 flyweight. Uh, a guy with, I mean, Jesus Christ, like eight times as many fights. And shocker, he beat a guy who was in his fifth professional fight. Um, so I'm not impressed with Tyson Nam. Uh <laughs> Matt Schnell, I don't know how he's not the favorite. I mean, well, I mean, technically, I guess minus 105 is a favorite, but when Nam's a minus 125 favorite, it um, gets a little interesting. But uh, Tyson Nam is not a good fighter. He, he's really not, at least not at the UFC level. Um, he's also pretty darn old for a flyweight. He's 36, which is basically 57 when it comes to being a flyweight. Um, I'm going to pick Matt Schnell all day to win this one. Not that I'm super high on uh, Matt Schnell, but um, he is coming off of a loss, a first-round knockout loss to Alexandre Pantoja, but before then, he has two finishes in the UFC, uh, plus a couple of other victories, uh, you know, finish of uh, Espinoza and Smolka. Um, Yeah, I I don't have a whole lot to say. Listen, I don't give a fuck about the men's flyweight division. I really don't. There's a reason why we don't rank them at North Star Sports. It's because they don't have a, they don't have fifteen fighters to do a top fifteen. I mean, they might technically have fifteen now. But like if you're a debuting like who the fuck was a the flyweight they just signed from the contender series, it doesn't matter. But if you're a flyweight and you get signed from the contender series and you beat an opponent in the 125 pound division, you're pretty much automatically going to be in the top 10. Like, that's how pathetic it is. Like, could you imagine that at welterweight or or lightweight or any other division? I mean, the only division that's more pathetic than men's flyweight is women's featherweight. Because I don't even think—I don't think they have five. I don't think they have five featherweights signed to the roster. Um, And, I mean, fair enough. I mean, it's hard to find women who are— could fight at 145 pounds but still like that's your entire fucking shtick like you you have a division for 145 pound women fighters and you can't find more than five on the planet like I'm not saying we could find I'm not saying we could necessarily find 15 good ones but we could definitely find 15 fighters who weigh 145 pounds so I don't know that's interesting uh, I'm gonna pick Matt Schnell and we'll go by first round knockout to be honest because snell has got a history of it and um Tyson Nam is uh, is really bad. All right, moving on here to one of the worst main cards I've seen in recent history, potentially uh, in modern UFC history. We're gonna start here with the main card opener. It's a, a featherweight bout here between Billy Q, Billy Quarantillo, and Kyle Nelson. Quarantillo with a record of fourteen and two. Nelson with a record of thirteen and three. Uh, Quarantillo is the minus. 260 favorite um fuck this is the problem this is the problem with having a bunch of no names on a fight card i couldn't tell you anything strategy wise about either of these two fighters uh quarantillo he's on quite the win streak he's on a seven fight win streak i do know this was the guy who fought um in the ultimate fighter I want to say he fought on on the season of The Ultimate Fighter that was hosted by Conor McGregor and Uriah Faber. Um, yep, season 22, because he lost to Saul Rogers, who... Did he lose in the finals? No, he, he couldn't fight in the finals because he lied about something on his uh, uh, immigration form or his visa or something. Um, so that's really all I could tell you. That's all I can tell you. He didn't, he didn't do super great on that season of The Ultimate Fighter, but he's definitely improved, and, uh, you know, he's racking up the wins here. We're going to pick him to win this one, uh, and we're going to pick him by uh, second-round TKO because um, he, he does have a fair amount of finishes. Um, I remember his fight with Spike Carlisle. That was uh, his second fight here in the UFC, uh, but I really only remember that fight because of Spike Carlisle because that was the one where he went, well, I think Spark, Spike Carlyle does this in all of his fights, but that was definitely the fight where um, he came out and uh, gassed out after the first round, literally put everything he he had into his body to physically kill Billy Corantillo in the first five minutes. And that was also uh, the, the fight where, like with seven seconds to go before the first bell, uh, he turned around and walked back to his corner and got clocked in the side of the head because the fight was still going on. Just because you turn around doesn't mean the fight's not going on. So that was uh, interesting. Some people were a little mad at Quarantillo, but it's a fucking fight, and you can't really just turn your head to to, to, the, to the back of your opponent and not expect to get, you know, sucker punched. So um, not even sucker punched because that's a negative connotation. I mean, it's a perfectly legal and legitimate strike. Um, but that's really all I have on on Billy Q. Um, Kyle Nelson. I know he's been in the UFC for maybe a handful of fights. Um, a couple of losses to Matt Sales and Diego Fajeda. Um, does have a first round finish of Polo Reyes, but he's on about a year long layoff. He has a, a loss on the regional scenes to Kama Worthy. Don't know anything about Kyle Nelson. Kyles tend to not do well in the UFC. Um, whether it's like Kyle Propolek or whatever that guy's name is, or um, Kyle Nelson, or I feel like there was a Marine, a Ginger Marine who went by the name Kyle. Kyle's just don't seem to do good in the UFC. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody. I guess Mike Kyle was in the UFC for a little bit, but I don't think he did too well either, but that's also a last name, not a first name, but you know, Kyle's Kyle's just don't do super good. Um moving on here now uh still on the uh the main card we have a light heavyweight bout here between mike slow rodriguez and uh ed herman rodriguez with a record of 11 and 4 herman with a record of 24 and 14 rodriguez is the minus 260 favorite um i think that's fair i'm gonna go with uh, mike rodriguez on this one i really haven't disagreed with any of the favorites um so far um and i don't know if i will i don't know if i will at any point to be honest um, just not, not a very good card, but, uh, I've already said that before, um, a very low-level light heavyweight fight here, I gotta be honest with you, Ed Herman, he has been in the UFC, honestly, since, like, 2006, he's been in the UFC for a very long time, yep, (laughs) February of 2006, so he's been here, and, well, not really done that, because he's never done anything, but, you know, he's been around for a while, he's been around for a while, um, Definitely at the end of his career, definitely has had a lot of bouts fall out over uh, the the last five months. Um, I, I just really couldn't say anything about Ed Herman to be honest with you. He's got a, he's on a, he's riding a two fight winning streak, but I mean against guys who are um, not requisite of UFC level competition. Um, Mike Rodriguez he is coming off of a pretty impressive knockout against a really bad opponent um, a couple of months ago I want to say um, oh less than a month ago three weeks three or four weeks um, from from the time this fight happens on Saturday um, that first round elbow knockout of Marcin Prochnio um, and he, he needed that win too because he if he lost that it wouldn't shock me if he if he got cut because he was one one two and one. Actually, one, two, comma, one, no contest in his last four fights. Um, So helped to get back to his winning ways. That was a co-main event because so many fights fell out. So, I mean, that's the best possible scenario for Rodriguez. You know what I mean? He definitely did not deserve to be on a main card, definitely did not deserve to be in the co-main event slot, but very fortuitous outcome for uh, the one they call slow. And, you know, he got the uh, highlight reel, Knockout, Although, Prochnio, that dude doesn't even have a win in the UFC. So, uh, you, you crushed a can. You crushed a can, which, you know, fair enough. That's what you're supposed to do. When you fight a can, you're supposed to crush him if you're, you know, a UFC-level guy. Um, So, interesting here. Fuck if I know what's going to happen in this one. I'm going to go Rodriguez by second round TKO. Um, but, f- fuck if I know what's going to happen in this fight. Uh, that's, pro- that's not my official prediction for the main card showdown because I want to kind of stew on this but uh, as it stands right now on Wednesday I'm going to go with Mike Rodriguez by round 2 TKO Moving on here to the featured bout on the main card it's a women's flyweight bout here between Andrea KGB Lee and Roxanne Modafari Lee comes in with a record of 11 and 4 Modafari 24 and 17 Lee the prohibitive favorite here at -315 uh, we consult the North Star Sports women's flyweight rankings and we will find out that uh is currently ranked at number 8. Andrea Lee currently at number 12. So, um, a little bit of uh, discrepancy there. And to be honest, again, not that I give a shit, but I'm going to pull up the UFC rankings because I'm kind of interested to see where they rank these two fighters because we tend to disagree a little bit on the rankings, but when it comes to women's rankings, we disagree a lot. There's, you know, they have like, um, they had, because she lost, and I assume that they're going to plop her down a little bit, but they had Montana De La Rosa as like the number 11 women's flyweight. We didn't even have her ranked. Um, so we, we we don't see eye-to-eye in, in the women's divisions. Uh, Montefiore, they have her at number 7, and they have KGB Lee at number 9. So they have Andrea Lee ranked. Uh, pretty darn high, pretty darn high. Uh, don't uh, don't agree with that. Um, I do think Andrea Lee's gonna win this fight. Um, very good kickboxer. I've been I've been moderately impressed with Andrea Lee's striking ability uh, abilities in the UFC, and she's riding uh, a, a two fight losing streak. Both of them are split decision losses. To be honest, I think she won both of those fights. She just gets the, the raw end of the deal when it comes to uh, split decisions, I guess. Um, the, the the split decision lost to Calderwood and, and Murphy. And, you know, to be honest, I'm going to do a little research here live on air, and I'll go to my favorite website outside of Tapology, which, again, I'd love to get paid money um, from Tapology because I, I always speak glowingly about them as I'll uh, take a sip of uh, coffee here. But I'm going to go to MMA decisions here because... I really thought she won both of those fights. So at 242, she lost to Calderwood. Um, we look at the media scores. Okay, most of the media had Calderwood winning that fight. Um, you know what, that, sound, that sounds correct. Maybe she did actually win that fight. Um, but, but either way, Lee never has really gotten blown out in the UFC. Those are her only two UFC losses. And the fight with Lauren Murphy, holy shit, every single media score of the 10 they list, about 10 they list, have Andrea Lee winning that fight. About a little more than half of them have Lee winning at 29-28, and a little less than half of them have Lee winning at 30-27. So, oh, yeah, that was the Jones and Reyes pay-per-view, of course. That fucking dog shit. Oh, funny, 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 Lauren Murphy was listed as fighting out of Houston, Texas. I wonder why she won that one. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean... We we respect what the judges say when it comes to decision decisions which is why Andrea Lee is is currently at number 12 and not, you know, at number 9 like in the UFC rankings. Um because we don't we don't override rulings. We just whatever they say is whatever we go with it and you know, not going to argue about it cuz I could argue a lot of I could argue a lot of decisions um but I don't know. Definitely definitely a top 10 fighter and if she wins this, she'll be ranked in the top 10 for North Star Sports. Um, but I, I think her her kickboxing probably gets it done. Matafari's tough, good grappler, uh, definitely up there in age uh, for for a female fighter, for a fighter in general. General, to be honest, uh, thirty seven. So you know she's she's definitely she's still flip flopping wins and losses. So she still can do it. But um, I think this is going to be a pretty one sided uh, loss at the hands of Andrea Lee, of course by decision. Because uh, that's just what the numbers would uh, would tell us. Uh, moving on here in the uh, co-main event, it's a lightweight bout. It's a lightweight party here on this card. I mean, like it seems like half of the uh, half of the the fights here on this card are lightweight fights. It's comma, Death Star worthy taking on Ottman Azatar. Worthy is the minus one thirty five favorite, which shocked the hell out of me. That uh, you know the the famous underdog is is finally a favorite uh worthy comes in with a record of 16 and 6 azatar with a record of 12 and 0 a very very legitimate light heavyweight prospect um this is gonna be a good one excuse me so this one not that it means anything because i always shuffle the order um but about a week ago this was the prelim opener um, so I'm very happy to see that it's a co-main event because I think that's where it deserves to be, especially on a really, really bad card like this. This is this is a co-main event that you want people to see because the winner of this fight, and to be honest, maybe even still the loser of this fight, is going to be very relevant in the lightweight division for a long time. Um, this is a good one. I, I picked Luis Pena to beat Kama Worthy in his last fight. I definitely pick, would have picked Smith over Worthy if I kept track of my picks uh, You know, back in August of 2019. Uh, I said I'd never pick against Kama Worthy again, so I'm not going to pick against Kama Worthy. I am picking Kama Worthy to win this one. I've been so impressed by this guy. His, his win over Devonta Smith was amazing, thunderous knockout. He was like the minus 1,100 underdog. Um, his choke of Luis Pena—he was dominating that fight. Not as impressive as the win over Smith, but you know a sustained, definitive win, and then obviously the finish. Um, what a great story! At one point, this guy was nine and six, and he just—he starts going on a tear. He's currently on a seven-fight winning streak. He's 33. Uh, you know, fighting out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You know, he—he's got his tight-knit uh crew there. Uh, you know, listening to him uh, do his interview uh, when he got the win over Luis Pena was interesting. A really, a really interesting guy. It kind of shows that, uh, you know, either either you're ready to fight in the UFC or you're not. Like, it, it's kind of weird, man, because, like, there's so many variables and so many factors. It doesn't make sense why Kama Worthy's having success in the UFC and people like Sage Northcutt and Paige Van Zandt didn't have success. From what everything the media would tell you, and from what everything hype would tell you, it should be the other way around. But sometimes it just isn't like it isn't in the UFC, if you know what I mean. So, uh, you know, it's it's cool as hell to see stories like Kama Worthy. And he is a legitimately good fighter. Um, this is a tough matchup. I would have liked to have seen him uh, get a little closer to the top 15. Um, I don't really have a name off the top of my head, but. Uh, I think it, I think with this win here, I mean the winner of this probably faces a top fifteen opponent. Certainly, if Kama Worthy wins, um, I, I don't really have a whole lot to say about Atman Azatar. I know he's a, he's a very legitimate uh, prospect. He's he's the uh, the pride of uh, I believe that's a Moroccan flag. Um, he had a brutal, a fucking brutal. You talk about Kama Worthy's brutal knockout of Devante Smith. Azatar had a brutal fucking knockout of Timu Pakalin. Holy fucking smokes. That was at the Khabib and Poirier 242 pay-per-view. Oh, my God. that He killed him. He fucking killed him. And Timu Pakalin, if you remember, he also... He's had two of the worst knockouts in UFC history. So, he got knocked out uh, in, a, in a vicious way by Azatar. And then... The fight before that, he got knocked out in 30 seconds in devastating fashion by Mark Jacasey. And that was in March of 2017. So he takes pretty much two and a half years off after the Jacasey loss, comes back from that brutally embarrassing knockout, and then just gets, you know, sent to the grave by by Azatar. So, you know, both these fighters have really good power. I'm going to go as, uh, excuse me, I'm going to go worthy. And I'm going to go round three TKO. I really see somebody getting finished in this fight. Um, I, I, I just see it happening. I, I, I don't know, man. I, you never can be too shocked by anything that happens in a UFC octagon, but I man, I really see Kama Worthy putting somebody to sleep in this fight. And uh, a little bit late here because we're wrapping up our, our talkers on Kama Worthy and Otman At- Azatar, but this is as good of a time as ever to tell you That, comma, Death Star Worthy is North Star Sports Lock of the Week. It's time now for the Mailman's Lock of the Week. All right, so there you have it the Mailman's Lock of the Week, comma, Death Star Worthy. Now moving on to the main event of the evening. It's a women's straw weight bout between Michelle the Karate Hottie Watterson and Angela Overkill Hill. Watterson with a record of 17 and 8. Hill with a record of 12 and 8. Um, we look at the North Star rankings here. We have Michelle Watterson at number 8 and Angela Hill at number 12. For shits and giggles, we'll look at the at the UFC rankings. They have Michelle Waterson at 8 and Angela Hill at 13, uh, so I guess we're one spot higher on, on Angela Hill. Um, this is a really bad main event. I am not excited for this one in any form or fashion. Uh, Angela Hill, uh, God bless her. She's um, She's getting a lot of hype these days, and rightfully so. I mean, she's the, the female equivalent of uh, Cowboy Cerrone. Um, unfortunately, she's the female equivalent of uh, modern-day Cowboy Cerrone, not 2015 Cowboy Cerrone. So, um, she's, she's still a fighter who has a below 500 record in the UFC. Um, I know you could um, make a lot of excuses for that, and some of them might be legitimate. Um, but she is a below 500 fighter in the UFC. Um, if you combine—I saw this on Twitter. I forgot where, but uh, my apologies— but if you combine the UFC record of Michelle Waterson and the UFC record of Angela Hill, uh, it comes out to 12 and 12. So these are, you know, 500 UFC fighters. Um, not not impressed at all. Um, I understand that Santos and Teixeira was supposed to be the main event and that fell out. Um, that's unfortunate. Um, I saw a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people. Uh, make a really big deal that this is the first time that a uh, African American female has uh, headlined a UFC uh, event, um, and, and people are making a big deal about that. Um, that's fine. You can make a big deal about that. That is historic. That's that's something of note. Um, but it's just not going to be a good fight. So you can tell yourself that while while you watch the fight d- disappoint you, um, you know, for the entire 25 minutes, because I can absolutely promise you there's not going to be a finish. Um, you can tell yourself that while while this is a snooze fest, um, and, and maybe that brings you some comfort. Again, not to downplay it, it is that is historic. That's a legitimately cool thing. That's a resume moment for Angela Hill. But okay, when it comes to X's and O's and, and the actual fight, <laughs> this I, I I can't even explain to you how not excited I am for this main event. Um, I have to pick a winner. And to be honest, I don't even really know who I'm going to pick. These are both two pretty bad pretty bad choices, to be honest. Karate Hadi uh, is, is 34. She's on a two fight losing streak. Uh, lost to Carla Esparza. Although, although, in fairness, I think she beat Carla Esparza. I, I disagree with that. Carla Esparza has gotten so fucking lucky with some of her decisions, it's ridiculous. Um, legitimately got worked by Ioana. Uh Three fight win streak before that. I don't think Karate Hadi was ever that good. Um, I I definitely think she's a a media creation. Um, She's definitely a top 10 fighter. Like, I'm not saying she's a bum. I'm not saying she's a bad fighter. No, she's a good fighter, but, you know, she gets a lot of hype. She gets a lot of hype for a lot of reasons, a lot of simpy reasons, uh, some of them. Some of them legit, but um, a lot of simpy reasons. Um, Angela Hill, I guess that's the hot hand, if we want to call it that. Um, She's on... uh, well, the one fight losing streak because she lost a split decision to Claudia Gadelia. I happen to agree with that. I do think she lost that fight to Claudia Gadelia. Um, and before that, I don't, you know, I don't know, man. Like, it is very, it is legitimately very impressive that she fights every two months. I don't mean to downplay that. I, I want to say this right now. That is that is incredibly impressive. Because first of all, you can't suffer a severe injury and be out for nine months. So you're avoiding severe injuries. You're not taking a lot of damage in your fights. So that's very impressive to, to do that. But who has Angela Hill ever beat? Who has she ever beat? Nobody, absolutely nobody. 2017, she beat Ashley Yoder. Okay, like all right, that's someone who should be cut from the UFC. You beat Marina Morose. Okay, that's probably your probably your best best win. You beat a 500 Jody Escabel. Not impressed. Um, and then this quote-unquote streak that she was on. Uh, you beat Ariani Carnalosi, I believe, in her UFC debut. Not impressed. Uh, you uh, finished Hannah Cipher's. Definitely not impressed. Hannah Cipher's... If you've listened to podcasts before this one, you know how much... You know how low I think of Hannah Cipher's uh, UFC career. I'm not going to rehash it. I don't want to be a dick. But look at Hannah Cipher's record and tell me that's a good win. And then you beat a 4 and one luma Lukbunmi me uh in her ufc debut i'm not impressed by a single win and i'm not even trying to be you know a harsh critic like uh, even by the most generous standards not even trying to be gsp but by the most generous standards like okay we're still looking for your signature win here like would would a win over uh michelle watterson be the signature win in the media's eyes, it would be, because, you know, Waterston has a huge following. In actual fighting terms, not really. I mean, it would be, because it would be the best opponent she's ever beat. But, you know, I don't know, man. I'm just not very high on, on Angela Hill. She's not really high on her. Um, I think she... I guess I have to make a pick here. I think Angela Hill loses this fight. Um, I'm going to pick Waterston. I think Waterston's just... To keep it plain and simple, I think Watterson's just the better fighter. Way more high-level experience, um, and, and I think she takes this one. Um, yeah, and I, I think she takes it in a very boring 25-minute uh, decision. I, I don't see a whole lot of finishing ability here, um, and and uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty much it, man. That's one of the worst cards I have ever seen. A really bad uh, main event. Hopefully I'm wrong, man. I, I don't want to be correct. I, I hope this is a banger of a card. I really do. Because I'm going to have to watch it. So I don't want to watch something boring. So I, I really hope it's it's just a banger of a card. But I would not put money uh, that this is going to be, you know, the, the card of the year or the, or the main event of the year. Um, so, yeah, with with that, we'll wrap it up here. That was our preview of UFC Fight Night, Watterson versus Hill um, of course, we'll have the main card showdown. Probably not in podcast form because I don't really think we do that anymore. Because uh, very hard to get Drew Peterson on the radio these days. Um, but hopefully, one day we'll return uh, to doing that in uh, podcast form. Uh, but we'll definitely we'll definitely have it on Twitter. And of course, you can follow Northstar Sports on Twitter at Northstar M I N. I've also talked to Reagan Hooverman, and he is down for doing the main card showdown. So we just need another person, and then we can have like a four man, uh, you know, kind of league. Uh, Which would be interesting because then it's not just me and Drew going at it every single week. You know, it it adds some, um, you know, it adds some interesting parody to it. Uh, I'm sure we could find a fourth person, to be honest. Um, So you can check out NorthStarSports.media, great website. We have updated UFC rankings pretty much an hour after each UFC event. Uh, Doing a lot of NFL stuff. Of course, check out our our NFL season preview. Long three-hour show. And, uh, throughout the next couple of days, we're going to be releasing the division by division shows. They're a lot more manageable, although, of course, the three-hour show is very manageable because we're, um, you know, two handsome, uh, you know, dashingly charismatic, uh, radio hosts. So, I mean, it just, it flows like, uh, like butter. It's, it's, it's very smooth, but, you know, if, if you just want to see what's happening in your division, you know, we'll, we'll have those posted over the next couple of days. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I, we will not have a show. We will not have a live show tomorrow because I, I got uh, a lot of work to do tomorrow. Um, but we will have the shows, the, the the division shows, probably three of them releasing um, tomorrow. So, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, the mailman at Owen the mailman. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.